This podcast contains strong language and examples of real-life scenarios that some may find disturbing. It is intended for mature audiences. Listener discretion is advised. Our guest today is Ryan Wilson, who was a soldier and combat assault dog handler with one of Australia's elite special operations units. While we chat, Ryan and myself are sampling some whiskey from Whippersnapper Distillery right here in Perth. Ryan is drinking the Upshot and I am drinking the Wheat Whiskey. This interview is a rare insight into what goes on inside a special operations unit and I hope that you enjoy listening to it as much as I did speaking to Ryan about it. I'm Jace Kelly, and this is the Virtus House Kennelcast. All right. I probably should have made this apology early on. Like, this is the first podcast I've ever done. So yep. I do have to apologise to, you know, yourself and all four of your listeners <laughs> that, uh, you know, this this could be a little rough. Well, <laughs> hey, this is a first for both of us, I'll yeah. be honest. So um, we'll make it work. Yeah, no, and, it's good. And I'll be honest, I think it's a cracking story. You've got a cracking story. No, so. it is good. Um, so your time in the two IC, as 2IC of the cell... You've transitioned from handler to lead handler to sell. You're not in charge, but you're kind of, you're the boots on the ground. The 2IC position is the yeah. boots on the ground. You're running handlers, you're running development, you're running validations in conjunction with your sergeant, of course. Yeah. Let's kind of go there before we transition on. Yeah. Look, I, I think I, uh, I, that, that two years I spent there was uh, one of the most enjoyable parts of my career. I mean, obviously, you know, operations and all that was, uh, you know, being able to do the, do the job for real was great um, and it's probably the highlight of my career. But I, I think I learned a lot being in that 2IC position in the cell, um, which is helping me now mm-hmm. in, say, managerial experience and... Uh, leadership type things uh you know so i i learn a lot from a lot of uh, really good people and uh you know i learn a lot from people who sort of challenge me as well uh and didn't agree with me yeah and you know probably learned more from them yeah and you know obviously at some stages didn't handle that well probably didn't maybe didn't respond the best way mm-hmm. to that but then i've learned from that and maybe can apply uh, a different response now and you know or in the future but yeah i learned a lot from the cell uh especially you know the training philosophies and methodologies with dog training you know positive negative reinforcement in the quadrant and, and you know uh just while you're on that let's, yeah let's talk about positive negative and quadrants and so obviously people that have influenced you and i don't mean as a lead handler i mean your time in the cell mm. um we both know that bart bellin was uh mm. was, was a a large part of transition right so let's talk about that right so i guess the biggest transition uh well evolution in the dog 
community when I was there was the introduction of Bart Bellin's Ni Popo. Yep. Uh, which in hindsight isn't, you know, it's not anything we weren't actually doing. It wasn't a far stretch from what we, what were, we were doing. doing already, no. but, but he packaged it well and he, he marketed it well and it worked. Certainly. So the, the way he packaged it and the way he explained it and the way he delivered it produced results. Yeah. Right? So it was um, – that was the biggest evolution from being in the cell was trying to bring that in uh, in our training methodology. But saying that there was – that a lot of it was already there. Sure. It was just called something different yeah. or, you know. Or slightly – Slightly different. Yeah. Yeah. We yeah. We might have done it slightly different. Right. Yeah. But Bart had a really good way of explaining it. Yeah. And that that is that was the key. Now Bart Bart Bellin, he's you know, a sports dog background. Mm-hmm. Uh, but he, he adapted his training and his uh, you know, instruction based around working dogs really well. Yeah. You know, from a series of interactions with us or with other military units, he realized that okay, working dogs is probably is, – is a really good uh, way to go. Mm-hmm. So, um, so he, he did adapt it well, but he knew he was from a sports dog background and yep. he never hid that. Yep. And he never said, this is what you should do. Not once did he ever say, this is what you should do. He said, I'm going to tell you what I do yep. and what works for me and what works in this situation. You take bits and pieces that you see useful – and adapt them to your program. Integrate it. Yeah, yeah. And that's uh, that was Bart. Like you guys, one. like you guys have been doing the whole way along, anyway. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So you know, he knew from the start that there's no, again, like we explain, explained, there was no right or wrong. There, there was no textbook. There's no manual on how to train a dog. So he he said from the start, this is what I'm going to tell you, but I'm not telling you this is the way to do it. Yeah. So and that for me that was I was straight away interested and straight away a lot of respect and uh, you know I was I was lucky enough to do his silver and gold package and yeah I learnt so much and uh, and 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 that's the thing about having that open mindset and that you know being able to look what 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 else is out there what's happening because it's it's always evolving developing and he had some really good ways of doing things and he developed you know new e collars and. All sorts of things, uh, yeah. And, and he's he's a very interesting character. <laughs> so <laughs> I, uh, oh yeah, I got. You have a funny story. Come on, oh, give, yeah, it I, give it to no, me. No, one funny story, <laughs> and I think you were there. But obviously, Bart, he's from where the Malinois is from, right? So he has this, you know, link with them. But you know, so he's got a he's got a bit of a uh, accent. Uh, so you know we're we're talking on this is on the silver course and we're mostly theory and we're discussing dog training and methodology and things like that and he kept mentioning this this word (laughs) um, hirashi it's like all dogs have hirashi and i thought is it some kind of Japanese like Zen thing that <laughs> some samurai and like dogs have this hirashi? And uh, I, I, you know, I, I was intrigued. It's like, what is this hirashi? Like, what is it? And uh, you know, but you know, when you're on these courses, you don't really ask questions, or you don't, you just, you don't want to seem dumb. Yeah. You know? <laughs> so he, 
Everybody oh. else assumed everyone else knew what Hirashi yeah, so was. Nodding, yeah, everyone's yeah. just like, yeah, yeah, Hirashi. Yeah, yeah, yeah it's a Japanese, you know, <laughs> dog zen thing. And uh, so <laughs> I didn't think much of it, but just didn't know what it was. And then on the gold course, I think it was, it wasn't until the gold course. <laughs> we're talking about Hirashi again. And finally, I was just like, what the fuck is Hirashi? <laughs> Turns out that's the way he pronounces hierarchy. <laughs> so, <laughs> I was, you know, and so he's explaining a simple concept of that dogs have a hierarchy, uh, you know, but... <laughs> but in his pronunciation, <laughs> it was Hirashi, and uh, no, none of us knew what it was. We were just assumed it was some we're, secret Japanese. But just nodding. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And I think, uh, yeah, I think we were there too. Like you were there. And oh, just no doubt. Like what? What is this Hirashi? <laughs> How do we get it? What do we do? <laughs> like, but no. So you know, interesting, interesting guy, and uh, really a not, master. Oh, really. a master in training. Uh, you know the kind of dog trainer who's like there's no way to do it like it depends on the dog yeah so you you know and you know on those courses silver gold you get all sorts yep you had all sorts of dogs right civvy whatever like yeah, yeah. we had we had all pig sorts dogs of dogs and everything yeah, yeah pig dogs whatever and and you know he's just looking at each dog individually and going this will work for that dog or this might work for that dog like this try this and then another dog come in and might be a working dog and he'd be like explain the exact opposite oh actually we need to do the opposite for this dog yeah. you know so it was it, you know it just sort of cemented in my mind that hey it's there's you know there's no right or wrong let's not lock in anything. yeah don't lock it in let's yeah. let's stay open yeah okay um yeah so 100 percent agree but it's quite um quite pivotal mm. what about what about other units or organisations? I well, I know you did, but just for the public's sake, in your role, you would come across so many different organisations around the world. Is there any anyone that stood out above the rest, or or is there a moment that you went, well, that's quite pivotal to my learning? Is, is there anyone like that or any organisation like that? Uh, yeah, I mean, you know, just just um, naturally being part of the regiment, we worked a lot with different units, you know, uh, and naturally then being part of the dog cell, we would team up with other dog cells or other dog units. So, yeah. um, you know, the Canadian JDF2, you know, UK, SA, 22 SAS, the US with the SEALs and Delta and... Uh, you know, New Zealand, New Zealand SAS had a really good capability as well. Um, yeah, we we all had, like we explained, we all had very very similar issues. Yeah, and and we were all at similar sort of capability level, uh, but all experiencing the same issues. I think you know the US slightly different with the way they handled. They had handlers who probably weren't operators. Um, designated handlers yep but they have the ability to do that they have the manpower and whatnot but um so working together like with the with the you know canadians and new zealand you know very very similar yep issues that we faced um the on the other spectrum like sort of domestically you know i did a lot of work with uh police units 
Mm-hmm. Uh, so Victorian SOG. Yep. Um, special operations special. group. Yeah, yeah sorry. Yeah. Soggies. <laughs> just so, so they just so yeah. everyone knows, yep. Uh, and you know they were at the point where they they saw the benefit in a, a dog capability. Yep. And they wanted to more of a tactical a tactical dog capability yep. uh, rather than a general general because because you know police units have always had that sure general duties police dog, but the the tactical unit now saw saw an opportunity to um, develop a dog capability for the for them. So they were they were really forward leaning. They were really, uh, you know, they really wanted to learn. They got us over there a lot uh, to to help them train. They seen that, you know, the dogs we were producing and the capability we had, and they just they were really uh, forward leaning and trying to evolve their capability. So that was, you know, that was really good to see, and yeah. I think it's um, already proved itself with them. It certainly has. Yeah. Ah. Actually, multiple times. Yeah, yeah. 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 So, uh, you know, that that was a really good experience for me. Yep. To work with those guys. Yeah, vastly different. Vastly to, different, uh, but to you guys. Yeah, so that would have been its own little reward. Right. Yeah, it, it was really good. Yeah, really good guys, and just really keen to learn. Yeah. And really keen to get the capability going. Um, Again, came up with the same problems, the same 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 issues we had, like sure. uh, you know, with uh, you know, convincing high, hierarchy, hierarchy, you know, yeah. the hierarchy, convincing <laughs> the, the hierarchy that you know support capabilities. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. yeah. Uh, but but no, it's um, that that was really rewarding for me. Okay. Uh, you know, also you know, being in WA, worked with Waypole. Yep, with their general duties dogs more than anything, and I think their capabilities come extremely long way. So. Their general dogs are probably you know leading. Yeah, it's evolved. It. Yeah, that was some. It was very rewarding to be involved uh, because you know since we left Afghan, our dogs became you know we didn't have a lot of dogs that were had overseas or sure no operational no experience. operational experience yeah. right. So all of a sudden we were the for a long time we were the experts mm-hmm. right because we had all this operational experience now you know to train up these police units they were the ones yeah getting the operational experience so and we we didn't have it so you know but it, how good is that you were kind of learning through their operational experience right but that's why you guys are so good like yeah. i just go you could have sat on your sat on your hands and gone hey we did this for a number of years we killed it mm. But instead you went, hey, this is what we do, and you watched their operational dogs and you learned from them. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. yeah. And that, How good is that? Yeah. So, you know, they're the ones out there now with operational experience, you know. Yeah. So it's, um, that, that's quite rewarding as well. Yeah, I bet. Yeah. I bet. I know you had a lot going on, but uh, obviously Franco from a DLO perspective. Oh, of course. Yeah. Um, no, Franco I, Angelini. That's who I'm referring to. Yeah, um, I had uh, experience with him early on, actually, in my career. Yeah. Uh, he came over and did like some um, bite work and DLO sort of training. Yeah, uh, which was yeah, it was eye opening. Pivotal for us as DLOs. Yeah, to advance operational dogs. Pivotal, yeah. I'm telling you, it had such an influence on us. And great for handlers, like 
you know, I never enjoyed being in the bite suit, let's be <laughs> honest. I would never volunteer. I was... I don't get it. No, I don't know. Like, uh, but, it, it, you know, and, and we did put all our handlers through in the bite suit, you know. Yeah, you did one of... Once three. or twice, but, you know... One or two <laughs> sessions. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but <it> was, <laughs> yeah. Calm down, everyone. Yeah, no, no. But it was important to get you know, as a handler to get, a, you know, an appreciation of what's going through someone in the yeah. bite suit because it then you can... It makes a good decoy and it makes a good handler. And then, yeah, so you can communicate with your decoy and you yep. can, you know, adjust the dog or yep. the decoy as you see fit. So, yeah, it was important to give handlers exposure to that. I didn't like, I didn't want um, handlers um, in bite suits too often. Uh, you know, I just wanted them to have that understanding that, of what it's like to be in a bite suit and how to communicate with the, with, you know, what might be going through a decoy's mind and how to communicate it for the benefit of the dog. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, that was that was important. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So you've done your time as a tour I see. It's getting to the end of that time. You've worked your ass off for two years trying to make the capability better mm-hmm. and progress it and you have... And you're bringing in outside dogs from outside vendors, but working closely with them, which is kind of unheard of, really, that SASL would work with vendors mm. to get the best product. Again, groundbreaking for you guys insofar as you spoke to your vendors and saying, this is what we want, instead of the old days where it was, we want this, provide it. Yeah. All right, we'll take a quick break and we'll be back. When the long surf caps off the day in Margs, all the sand on your feet fills your mate's car. When Quinana Freeway dries your hair and puts you to sleep with humid air. When you draw with sunscreen on your best mate's back and accept your fate a red hard smack. When you tie your bathers in double knot, there can only be one upshot. Upshot whiskey, distilled in WA for the perfect summer day. Your time comes to an end as a tour I see with um, with the dog cell. Mm-hmm. What happens from there? Uh, yeah, so I you know identified uh, my successor, I suppose. Sure. Um, which can't mention his name. No, but, no, no, he's still uh, in. So yeah, yeah. yeah he, but again, and and I should probably mention him as someone who's influenced myself as well like of uh, course yeah uh he he's um let's call him let's trooper trooper h trooper h so let's, let's go with that <laughs> um, um so, so, tro- so it, a, a guy that influenced you which was you identified your successor which was trooper h yeah um, yeah so he was obviously junior than me yep but uh i could see he had a lot of experience and a lot of knowledge um, and, you know, I learned a lot from him as well. Uh, so even when, you know, I was a senior handler and he was a junior handler or when I was in cell and he was a senior handler. Sure. Uh, so, you know, I tried to... Rep- Third herd handler? Yeah, again, yeah. again. Yeah. Another three squadron. Mafia? Yeah. yeah. Uh, I tried to replicate, like, what, you know, Matt had been to me and sure. what Dave had been to me and then tried to, you know... And to be that with, uh, you know, Trooper H. And he, 
he, he just had this uncanny ability to uh, read dogs and um, stay calm and be real mechanical, not emotional, and, uh, you know, just had a real knack for it. Yep. Um, so, yeah, he, it was a no-brainer to get him as a replacement. And, you know, he, he has done wonders for the capability since he's been there. Yep. Um, so, yeah, that, that, that was sort of my progression. I, I identified him. We did a month-long handover, sure. which involved um, touring Eastern States, I think, you know, and I showed him how validations run. And I got him down, you know, to help me run one of the validations. And we're really good mates and that yep. helps. Uh, you of know. course. Uh, and he's done wonders for the cell and everyone applies something quite a little bit different. So, you know, what, what Dave brought, what Matt brought, what I brought and what Trooper H brought, all different. Yeah. But it all value adds. Absolutely. So, uh, you know, um, yeah, it's good to see that, to be honest. Uh, yeah, awesome. Uh, awesome. And I'm, I'm super glad, you know, that he's in that. You know, role. Um, awesome. For me, then I I ended up going back to a squadron. Yep. Uh, and not long after that, got out. Transitioned out. Yeah, yeah. transitioned yeah. out. And some guys don't transition well out of that. So. No, um, I mean, uh, I mean, there was a little bit of that. There was a little bit of um, I'd done now near on. Well, I'd done twelve years now yep. in the regiment, and uh, just kind of. I had a full on pace too. Yeah, so. it just kind of felt like enough was enough. Yep. Uh, wanted to experience something different. Yep. Um, I, I was happy with, you know, where I'd got, what I achieved. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I, I really loved my time in the cell. Yeah, that, that's what everyone, you know, my predecessors, everyone did. Uh, you know, it's just part of being part of, yeah, that's part of being. Part of being a, dog cell. A member of the regiment and member of being the dog cell. Yeah. You just take it that little bit further. So, yeah. Yeah. No, it was good. It was good. I, I super fond memories. And, and to be honest, most of my really good mates, a lot of them yeah, come from the dog community. Yeah. We, we're very tight. And, and it's unheard of a lot of, uh, you know, inter squadron type. You know, the squadrons can be quite competitive. Not yes, like a, a, no, a, they can. A healthy com- In a healthy way. Yeah. Yep. But, um, you know, I have some really good mates who were – we we never served overseas together, nothing but different squadrons, but we might have done dog course or we'd done a validation or we – you know, and we – you know, you become really good mates. Yeah. So it, it was just a really good equaliser and a really good way of bringing guys together, yeah. And uh, and I know you guys broke a lot of barriers there, so mm. uh, hats off to you. So. No, it's good. I mean, obviously I realised I was well out of my depth and I needed you guys, <laughs> so <laughs> that helped breaking the barriers. <laughs> well, <yeah. laughs> well, yeah, Dean is a great equaliser. There we go. So, um, but no, 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 no. We no. jest and we yeah. joke. That's how we are. Yeah, but yeah. In, all, in all reality is... Uh, I consider these guys. I don't consider them operators. I consider them mates. Yeah, for that. sure. And that that that's hundred percent yeah. correct. Um, um, I just want to like a few other takeaways from the time in the cell. You know, uh, I know cognizant time, but like uh, we got time, mate. Yeah, Go all right, we it. got lots of time. All right. Yeah. Um, you know, I 
the, the canine training philosophies and methodologies have always stuck with me. Like, you know, to be able to communicate with a dog that can't really can't verbally communicate back with you. I see where this is going. All no, right, hit me with it. No, I'm just, I'm just, I'm just saying. Like, it's always stuck with me as a, it's a very useful, uh, you know, skill set to have. A tool. Yeah, a tool. Right. Um, you know, the positive and negative reinforcement and rewarding good behaviour, all these things, and um, you know, you, you know, recently I've just had you know a little baby girl congratulations oh thank you yeah so you know she's four three and a half four months four months four months yeah <laughs> four months so, yep. yeah uh so you know she's young she you know she can't communicate with me verbally but her brain is like a sponge yeah she's absorbing everything she sees and everything she hears right so my my mind went straight back to dog trading so I was like, all right, well, you know, that's similar to a dog. Now, I'm no way comparing my child to a dog. I just want to clear that up. But I'm just Let's get that straight, everyone <laughs> that wants to put in a complaint yeah, right now. I'm just, so. I'm just saying that at this stage of her development, like it's very similar to when, you know, a dog in development, you know, they can't communicate to you verbally. No. Their brain is like a sponge. They're absorbing everything. Uh, so... You know, I found that that methodology of, you know, positive reinforcement or, you know, um, rewarding good behaviour and not rewarding bad behaviour has been, you know, I've tried to apply it a little bit, you know, obviously not over uh, too much, but... Sure. Yeah, I think it, that, that sort of understanding that sort of psychology has been really useful. You know, so... Uh, I agree. Yeah, well... You I know, agree. And, and, you know, uh, you know... We, also talking about, uh, you know, being a manager and managing people and, you know, we talk about one of the biggest evolutions in, in the, my time as a dog handler and, and manager in the cell was Nipopo and probably the shaping type training, I guess, which again sure. wasn't new but we just really took it on full ball and that shaping where you create that swimming pool because they own the they own the they own the behavior yeah Yeah. and it's it's kind of like you create a swimming pool because it's from dolphin training and and you know you you sort of wait till they do the activity and then you reward it and well they do the behavior and you reward it and creating that swimming pool environments so oh you know that stuck with me as well yeah that shaping mentality where it's the behavior is so much stronger if the dog creates it themselves so, you know, without being manipulative or like, <laughs> oh, I feel that as a manager, you know, people as well, if they are able to create certain behaviours or make certain decisions themselves, they own it a lot more and it's a lot stronger. So, so you know, I often refer to that swimming pool where I try and create a swimming pool for people and, uh, you know, get them to do the right behavior and then reward it and and all of a sudden it's their idea it's their thing they own it and then you know they can it it's much stronger Mm -hmm. Uh, and it's just there's just so many correlations between dog training and humans and babies and whatnot but uh, yeah it is a powerful tool it's a powerful tool yeah not just with dogs one one area i would which i do regret trying (laughs) to apply it to and i would advise against was uh you know (laughs) 
trying to apply it to your partner. Oh, okay. Yeah. Please so, do tell No, me. so she's seen straight through it. <laughs> <laughs> straight through it and uh, she did not appreciate me trying to reward her <laughs> and marking her correct behaviour. But uh, – and what I thought was her correct behaviour. Classic but, Wilson. <laughs> so, no, that, that didn't end well. But, yeah. <laughs> Oh, very, very good. <laughs> I can just imagine. I can just imagine. Um, but you are right. It the, the way that we do work dogs now or develop dogs now is not confined to dogs. It no. really is across the board. No, I think there's a lot of correlation. I think there's a lot of um, areas we can learn with uh, the training and development space with, uh, you know, in leadership, in in management in all that um, from dog training philosophy. Yeah. I think for, for a long time I've tried to see if there's a way to combine the two but it's it's very hard because you don't want to tell people that, oh, I'm training you like a dog. Yeah. But uh, the psychology is quite similar. Yeah, yeah. You yeah. just need to think about it differently. But yeah. Sure. Well, as long as that doesn't get you killed by your uh, wife or your uh, child. Um, yeah, well... Yeah, let's tick in the box. Yeah, so. no, no. So, yeah. Ryan, <laughs> post-regiment, basically. Yeah. Where are you at? What's it hold? What's the future? And uh, how is what we've just spent the last three hours talking about, how is that helping you? For sure. Uh, it, it's made me who I am. Yeah. Uh, the 12 years in the regiment and majority of that with dogs has made me who I am and, uh, you know, so I... I you know, I don't regret any of it um, uh, and I'm super appreciative that, you know, the people I've been able to work with and the experience I've been able to have. Um, in terms of post-regiment, I've been lucky enough, uh, you know, to land a job with a certain whiskey distillery. Put it out there, bro. Yeah, Come so, on, let's go. Yeah, no, so with Whippersnapper Distillery yeah. down in East Perth. I know that you're attached to them, but they are doing things for Australian whiskey that no one else has. Exactly, and that's kind of what's drawn me to it and um, why I've, uh, you know, sort of committed to, to Whippersnapper is, you know, the co-founders there, Jimmy and Alistair, are, are very progressive, very forward-thinking. Um, they, they're guys that are always looking on, on, on how to innovate and change change the way we, we see whiskey. And... You know, they, they realised that when they started Whippersnapper in 2014 that, you know, most Australian distilleries were just sort of carbon copies of yeah. scotch, you know. Yeah. Uh, I, you know, not taken away. They're very del- very good. Please don't. I know, I know. <laughs> like, love a good scotch. Yeah. But they wanted to do something different, so they did. And they, you know, they, they wanted to create an Australian whiskey that... Put their own fingerprint on things. Yeah, and just they wanted... Australian whiskey to mean something like yep. the, the term Australian whiskey. So, uh, you know, they, they started import, importing virgin American oak barrels, first people to do that. Um, you know, the the upshot is, you know, predominantly like a American whiskey, bourbon style sure. from corn. Uh, you know, wheat, we got the wheat whiskey, but we use virgin American oak. Uh, I, could, I could, you know, talk your ear off about you know, the way we do it. but Maybe another podcast. Yeah, but, you know, and, and innovative things like uh, quinoa whiskey, world's first majority quinoa whiskey. Yep. Uh, you know, things like that, they're always looking 
ahead and how to improve and, Cutting edge. and not not resting on their laurels so to speak so that's what attracted me to you know whippersnapper and i'm lucky enough to be involved the great crew great great team there and um yeah really looking forward to the future with them yeah 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 i will uh i will give them a massive shout out because what we did were able to do was put the a litter as in the Virtus house kennels a litter uh through that distillery and I'm telling you, not a lot of businesses are willing to put their hand up and go, hey, let your pups, your Malinois pups run rampant. Yeah. And they did it. So I no. uh, love it. You're welcome anytime. Yeah, yeah. Hey, because next, next litter's on the way. I'm well, like I told you, girls love dogs. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about. No, but, but it was yeah. great PR for us as well. <laughs> no, no. Yeah. No, but those kinds of development processes for young pups are essential and and you guys were just more than willing to put your hand up for it and uh and i thank you for that yeah and you know jimmy and al are you know big fans of the military yeah uh big supporters uh you know one of the reasons they took me on gave me a chance recognized the skill set i had yep uh you know and and because of that we've established the veterans club at whippersnapper so you know it's important eh? well yeah offering discounts and that but that you know the main the main thing is we put on special events and exclusive events for the veterans where bring guys together yeah and yeah. and i guess oh, guys and girls oh. for sure and you know the biggest thing for me when i got out was all of a sudden you know at one moment you're you're working with your best mates every day yeah and then all of a sudden it's gone it's gone you're on your own and so you know i just wanted to create a bit of an excuse to get people together uh you know with these events it's only a couple two or three hours at a time it's just come together every few months and whippersnapper you know have been nothing but supportive and so you know if you're a veteran get on board join look it up join the veterans club you get 20 percent discount uh plus you know get on board to all our but just events. to get together like the group events they do the veteran events sensational mm. like there's just in perth there's not a lot not a lot of people doing it and they go out of their way to do this so uh back them yeah yep um Appreciate. so knowing you the way i do i know that you don't just have whippersnapper on board what else are you doing yeah so uh also volunteering with rslwa on the fundraising committee with them so just really want to highlight like you know, w, in WA RSL, it's, it's a tough gig. Yeah. You know, we're, we're not like over east. But we have an amazing uh, building down at Anzac House and St George's Terrace. Underutilised. Underutilised, 100%. Because a lot of people don't realise it's there. They don't realise the, the services that it offers. So, you know, I'm keen to get on board and try and um, help encourage people my generation and, uh, you know, to, to join up RSL, or not even just join up, but just come down to Anzac House and some of the events. Yep. Uh, you know, we're planning a big ball next year, 2022. We're going to do a big uh, RSL and Legacy combined, combined ball, um, which hopefully will be, you know, every year and that'll be like a big event. So, uh, yeah, you know, look out for that. Yep. Uh, I, I, I just think uh, – I think – you are the kind of person RSL needs and uh, 
you're the for one sure. to do that. No, yeah. no, I mean, yeah, for sure. And there's a lot of reasons to, um, you know, come down and, 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 and take, take advantage of the services and the, you know, the, the building is amazing. Yeah. It's absolutely amazing. So absolutely. You become, know, become part of another brotherhood. That's right. Yeah. The, yeah. yeah, the other the other organisation I'll quickly touch on as well that I'm part of is the um, Wandering Wandering Warriors. Yeah. Uh, so I'm state manager with for WA with that. Uh, very, you know, Wandering Warriors has a very big presence over east um, with you know offering education, employment, respite, and sort of welfare to ex special forces soldiers or yeah. so command soldiers um you know a lot of people doing some really good stuff over there uh i just wanted to see it sort of established here as well yep. in wa so you know this is a, a sort of watch this space yep uh, especially with the education side of things i want to um you know talk to a lot of the universities and uh, tafe uh, institutions and and just uh make sure that you know all the so command veterans coming out that are settling in WA know that there's an option for them as well. Awesome. Yeah. Awesome. You are a very busy man. Yeah. Yeah, good on you. Um, I appreciate you coming on this podcast. Zero, zero, one. Oh, I love it. I, I, I'm stoked to be a part of the first one. And again, I do apologise to all four of your <laughs> listeners. That, yeah, that hey, I... Uh, I don't know where this is going. Maybe we do one a year. Who knows? We might not do another one. <laughs> who knows? But no, it's great. But what I want to do is open up what the benefit you guys brought as special operations handlers and management to the wider canine community because it really goes... It's undersold. And it's... Uh, we leave it in the background when it shouldn't be. It shouldn't be. You guys have really driven the way that we work dogs in Australia today. And uh, I wanted out there. Uh-huh. So thank you for coming on. No, I appreciate it. Awesome, mate. Uh-huh. All right. Cheers.